Stronger than the dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong and the right. Faith and hope triumphant say, Christ will rise on Easter day. While the patient earth lies waiting till the morning shall be breaking, shuddering beneath the burden dread of her master cold and dead. Heart she hears the angel say, Christ will rise on Easter day. And when sunrise smites the mountains, pouring light from heavenly fountains, then the earth blooms out to greet once again the blessed feet, and her countless voices say, Christ has risen on Easter day. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty and holy God, I come to you this morning, first of all, to say, Hallelujah, you are alive. Hallelujah that you came and took my sin and the sin of each one of us in this room and throughout the world upon yourself. So that one day we will only accept that great gift of salvation. We can spend eternity completely reconciled with the Father. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in the days past. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing even today, this beautiful Easter morning. Thank you for what you're going to do in the days and weeks to come as we celebrate the resurrection of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you again, Lord, for each one that's here. Thank you for their families, for their homes. Thank you for the, just the fact that we can gather together in your house to praise your holy name. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. A number of years ago, I I read a story that was uh, in Dear Abby. Many of you might have used to uh, read the column, Dear Abby. Let me just share this story that was found uh, in this letter to Abby. It said a young man from a wealthy family was about to graduate from high school. And it was the custom in that affluent neighborhood for the parents to give the graduate an automobile. Bill, we'll call him, and his father had spent months looking at cars. And the week before graduation, they found the perfect car. It must have been a 57 Chevrolet. On the evening of his graduation, his father handed him a a gift-wrapped Bible. But Bill was so angry that he threw the Bible down and stormed out of the house. He and his father never saw each other again. It was the news 
of his father's death that brought him back to the home place. As he sat one night going through his father's possessions that he would inherit, he came across the Bible his father had given him. He brushed away the dust, opened it to find a cashier's check, dated the day of his graduation and the exact amount of the car that they had chosen. As I thought about that story, I couldn't help but wonder how many people in this world have done the same thing with God. God promises us these things and and it's not what we had in mind and we just push them aside and separate ourselves from It must be natural because on, we see TV where they promise if you buy this kind of car or this uh, kind of soft drink or whatever, if you'll do that, you'll be rich and famous. It doesn't take us long to find out that we're not rich and famous because we got that 57 Chevrolet. Or we drank that Coca-Cola or Pepsi or whatever. Yet God has promised that he had a plan for our lives. So this morning I believe that I want to share with you three promises of Christmas. And all of these promises are prefaced with the word That makes them empty promises for Easter. Stand in your, if you would, and if you can, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. Follow along as we do that. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothes. As the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again? They remembered his words and 
returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. And they just would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings, only that he went away. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. How many times do you and I take the promises of our Lord and Savior lightly? I don't know about you, but this scripture reminds me that that God made some promises and it's symbolized in three ways in this short passage of scripture. Each of those promises, I think, are, can be prefaced with the word empty. There's the empty cross. There's the empty tomb. There's the empty burial clothes. So this morning I want us to begin to look at first the empty cross. just a few days prior to the time that the women returned on that first Easter morning. Jesus had been crucified and nailed to the cross. I can still almost hear the sound of those hammers as they drove those big, long, steel spikes through the hands of my Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, can you hear breaks my heart. Because it reminded me that Jesus had to go to the cross of Calvary to take my sin and your sin and pay the price of that sin so that we might be reconciled. You might say, well, I don't, I don't consider myself a sinner. Look in the book of Romans. I think it's Romans 3.23 where it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Folks, that's not just 
those that were at the cross that day. That's us today. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's Word also tells us in Romans that the wages of that sin is death. And Jesus died for my sin and for your sin. It was necessary if we would ever be reconciled to the Father. But let's stay there in Romans. Fifth chapter of Romans, verse 8. Tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. God's Word also tells us in the book of Hebrews. I think it's in chapter 9, verse verse 20 or somewhere in there. It says that sin is only covered by blood. And as I look at that cross, on that hill called Golgotha, I see the fact that there's blood at the top of that uh, perpendicular part of the cross. Blood was running down it. And at the crossbars, there was blood dripping from those. And then I look at the bottom of the the upright and, and I just see blood running down. I realize it's running because Jesus had been flogged and beaten with whips until his back his back was absolutely blood drenched and he did it for me he did it to go to the cross. But as I see that cross, it's now empty. It's an empty cross because He has paid the price for my sin and for yours. We couldn't pay the price. So He did. said Father forgive him for they don't know what they're doing they've all sinned but I voluntarily give my life for them so that they might be united with me one day in glory and be reconciled to you. So when I see that cross, I see a cross that reminds me that I and you are forgiven. 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 Hallelujah. We're forgiven. But also, 
I think about the tomb where they laid him. Many years ago, I had the privilege, no, the honor, of making a trip to Israel. My brother Jim Raby and I went to the tomb. And, and you know what? It's empty! It's empty! So I think of the empty tomb. And with that, it, it just made me rejoice that it's true. My sins have been forgiven by virtue of the blood on the cross and it being empty. Now, the fact that the tomb is empty means that one day the promises that Jesus had for you and for me will come true. Folks, He's alive! I remember as as a younger man, and, and our, our children were in, in church, and, and the girls particularly uh, were in the choir, and they, they, they sang a, a, a cantata one year. And part of it was, He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! He is alive! Yes, Jesus is alive today! And as I look at that empty tomb, and brothers and sisters, I stuck my head in that tomb. Now I'm not sure if that's the actual place or not. Most of the people there think it is. But what it means to me, and it meant to Jim Ravy, is the fact that he was not in the tomb. He had risen from the dead and conquered even death. And if we'll believe in Him, yes, we can conquer it also. There's that empty promise of the cross symbolizing our forgiveness. There's the empty tomb symbolizing the price, the price that Jesus paid for my sin. As I thought about that again, I remembered another story I heard. It was about a young boy. And his father was out taking a ride in the car in the country. The windows were rolled down and the wind was blowing in their hair. And Back then they didn't have air conditioning like we do now. 
but a big old bumblebee flew in the window. The little boy was highly allergic to bee stings. And he was panicked. Oh, daddy, daddy, there's a bee loose. And his dad just reached back and grabbed that bee in his hand. Now, a minute or so later, he opened his hand. And the bee flew away. And the boy began to panic again. He said, son, don't panic. Look at my hand. See the stinger? That bee can't hurt you anymore. I've taken the sting out. And that's what Jesus did. Amen. He took the sting of death away from us. He took it so that we might have life and have it abundantly. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, But I want to tell you one thing. Jesus is alive. Amen. He's alive today and He will be alive forever. And you and I can join Him if we'll just say yes to the invitation that He offers of taking the sting of death Away. So the second empty promise was the promise of the empty tomb. But I believe in our scripture it also relates another promise. It says in the scripture that the women looked in and, and there they, he, they saw the uh, burial clothes laying there on the on the on the bed or on the rock and and the face covering had been folded and it looked like it he'd just come right through the, the like there was still someone in the clothes. But there wasn't. Why? Why was those those clothes left there and, and why what do they tell us today? It tells us one and simple thing. He ain't there. He's not there. People alive don't need burial clothes. People who are alive can go about their business and sharing the good news of Jesus with, with confidence that He is alive. He is alive. Can I hear you? He is alive. Hallelujah! Jesus is alive. Amen. 
when you read the title of this sermon, it, it says the, the empty promises of Easter. Yeah, we talked about emptiness. The emptiness of a cross. The emptiness of a tomb. And an emptiness of a dead body. Let's go back to the book of Romans. I don't know where you are today. I know where I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I have a Savior that while I was yet and while I am still a sinner, Christ died on the cross of Calvary for me and for each one of you. And as I read God's holy word, I realize that that it just tells us over and over and over again that if we would confess our sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive our sin to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we might conquer death caused by sin also. I know most of us do not like to acknowledge the fact that we're sinners, but Romans remind us that, oh yes, you are. But I love you so much. I'm going to take your punishment upon myself and shed my blood for you so that you might spend Eternity with me and my Father. Brothers and sisters, Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. Reminds us that Jesus says, I stand at the door. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me.
Hear what he says there. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. So this morning, don't worry about who's sitting next to you or in front of you or in back of you. He's knocking. He's knocking at the door of your heart and my heart. And he's telling me, Jim, open the door. For I have gone to prepare a place for you. And if I have gone to prepare a place for you, I will come again so that where I am there you might be also. Hallelujah! He's coming again. And He's knocking on your door and on my door. And I just want to come i got some promises that if you'll open that door, you can spend eternity with me forever. So my question, my challenge for you this morning. you open the door and simply say come in Lord Jesus I'm a sinner I ask you to forgive my sin Cleanse me from all unrighteousness so that one day I can spend eternity with you and the Father. Let us pray. Almighty and holy God. Lord, I come to you once again. Once again, admitting that I'm a sinner. But accepting your gift of salvation. Lord, I come to you on behalf of each one that's in this room. Each one that's in this building. 
And I ask, Lord, if there's one that has never said yes to you. Lord, I pray. Name of Jesus. That you will convict them. Give them the courage to come and ask you to be their Lord and Savior. Lord, we're tired of playing church. Lord, I pray that we become the church. The church where Jesus is king. Jesus is all in all. We pray in Christ alone. There's salvation. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this invitation time. Use it to bring honor and glory to you. Be with those that make decisions, whether they do it publicly or right there in the pew. However, you lead them. I I just pray that decisions will be made and the kingdom will grow as a result. Lord, be with us now as we sing. And help us to respond. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray.